Imagine a 20-year search for an F355? Well, this is it. Welcome to the Ferrari Hub Podcast, where we will be talking Ferraris. And now your host, Andy Rasul. Welcome to episode 15 of the Ferrari Hub Podcast, where we will be talking Ferraris. Today's interview is with Elliot, who's from Sydney in Australia. And he recently realized his boyhood dream of owning an F355. And uh, he talks us through the entire story, um, which was uh, quite amazing to listen to, actually. Uh, Talking us through the actual buying of the vehicle, but then also the restoration of the vehicle itself. Uh, He wanted a perfect F355. And so that's exactly what he uh, rolled up his sleeves and did. So you can listen to the podcast in a moment, but as always, show notes are on our website, ferrarihub.com forward slash EP15. Just want to mention some of the successes that we've had on the website over the past week. Uh, We've had a 400% increase in visitor numbers, which is absolutely amazing. We uh, have also ranked on the first page of Google for the first time that I'm aware of. And it was completely by random that I found that out because um, uh, I was searching for Ferrari Iowa. And when I did that, I actually found ourselves on the first page, which was really cool. So uh, it's great to see that we have already started to rank highly. Obviously, for Ferrari itself, uh, we are not ranking that highly uh, yet, but we expect to do that in the next um, next months or so, next few months. We've been getting great feedback from everybody, which has been fantastic. Uh, the feedback that we've been getting on the podcast and for the website itself has been really encouraging. And really, thank you very much for that. If you do like what we're doing, then please subscribe on uh, on iTunes. You can do that by going to iTunes itself, subscribing to the podcast, and you can leave us a comment and a rating as well. If you leave us a five-star rating, we would really appreciate it as it really encourages us. And if you think that there's things that we can do to improve, then please email us at info at ferrarihub.com. We're always open to suggestions. Our buy section continues to grow, and this is essentially a classified section for Ferraris only. We currently have well over 300 Ferraris for sale, and we'll be adding 200 or so per week going forward. The US cars will be coming in the next week or so. We wanted to make some changes to the search functionality to make it easier for US buyers to find cars based in the US. So those changes are going to be coming in the next few days. So we're hoping that within the next week or so, we'll have the US cars added. Some recent additions include two additional speciales, uh, a Challenge 360 Challenge race car that's available to purchase, and two Ferrari 250s including one short wheelbase and a PF Cabriolet and that's in addition to everything else that we have on the sites which includes many usable cars um, such as the California T or the 488, 458s or even older ones. We have daily articles going live on the website all the time. Uh, Some of our articles in the last week or so includes an article about uh, Giancarlo Fisichella, a Ferrari Formula 1 driver from uh, a few years back. Thursday we had an article about the California T and on Friday part of our drool series we had a 1949 166 Intercoupe that was showcased. It's car number eight that was ever made by Ferrari so it's a really special car and it's in great condition it's a beautiful car so do check that out. On Saturday we had an article about the for- the coming SUV that's being made by Ferrari in the next few years 
as well as Ferrari's move to uh, electric vehicles. Yes, it is coming, I'm afraid. And we have an article about it. On Sunday, we had an article about the the 458 Speciale. On Monday, again, part of our Jewel series, we had a classic, classy and carbon 488 GTB. You can read all about it by going to ferrarihub.com forward slash Jewel. And on Tuesday, we had an article about the 430 On Tuesday, also, we had an article about the soon-to-be-released 488 GTO, which is the replacement to the 458 Speciale. If you haven't seen the sneak pictures yet, do check it out on our website. Uh, It's under articles again. And if you're not familiar with the car, the 488 GTO is the V8 Sports Special Series, which uh, is soon-to-be-released by Ferrari. The image that has come out is is literally the first image that has been released of the car. It was taken while the car was being displayed in Maranello. So, you know, it's a real treat to get the car. And our article covers everything that we know about the car, which has been confirmed. So do check it out by going to articles. If you like what we do, then why not subscribe to us on our website? You can do that by going to ferrarihub.com forward slash subscribe. What we do is every week we send out a short newsletter which gives the best bits of what has come onto the site over the past week. We don't bombard you with spam email or anything like that and we're very protective of your details so we won't share it with anybody else. Today's sponsor is something that I get asked about a lot and that is who I use for my hosting. I recommend Bluehost and the reason why I recommend them is because I use them myself. They're incredibly easy to set up. Uh, They have a one-click automatic WordPress installation and it really is as simple as just one click. You can host multiple domains on them and there's no need to pay for any extras when you decide to increase the number of websites that you're hosting with them. They have outstanding customer service and they're one of the companies that actually say, yeah, you can give us a call, which is kind of handy sometimes. Their performance is great. The speed and the uptime is seamless. It's, It's always up, it's always running. The control panel itself is very easy to use and they have various hosting plans and pricing, depending on what your requirements are. If you want to know more, just simply go to ferrarihub.com forward slash Bluehost. If you choose to use our link, we will receive a commission, but it's at no cost to yourself, and it all helps to keep the podcast and sites running. Now on to the show. On today's show, we have an owner of a F355 who... Um, I'll let him tell his story, but what he did was he bought an F355 and over a couple of years he um, restored the vehicle, Um, but he did a lot of the work himself. So uh, let's bring him in. Elliot, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andy. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I I, I sort of knew about your car a few years ago. I think you've had it probably, what, a couple of years now? It's... uh in March, it's three years. Three years, okay. So I think I became aware of it about two years ago, maybe a little bit over that. And um, I've been following your story, and it, it's really it's quite an amazing story, actually. I mean, for what you've done with the vehicle. But thank you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of how you got into Ferraris? Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I don't know about uh, you, but like my parents went into cars or anything like that. I mean, my dad was a little bit into cars. I know he had a uh, MG, like an MGA Roadster, but mm-hmm. he was restoring that. Mm. And uh, then he found out that his wife was pregnant with me, and that project uh, was quickly sold, probably to fund 
you know, uh, yeah. home improvements and things like that. So, uh, unfortunately, maybe I put a stop to his, his sort of car. <laughs> um, but for me, it, you know, it wasn't really about that. It was just I was really into um, trucks, actually. Okay. And uh, I remember, I vividly remember getting a present. It was a matchbox truck, but it wasn't the, it was a transporter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wasn't really interested in what it was transporting. I was interested in the truck, but the, it was a Ferrari transporter. Okay. And it had two um, Formula One cars. And it would have been, I probably was about five years old. So I was born in 85. So it was about 89. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure who was driving for F, uh, maybe Michele Alboreto or someone like that. It was probably a turbo F1 car. There was two in the box. Okay. And that was my favorite toy. And I took it everywhere. And I loved it so much that I actually tracked down a new inbox one, and I've got it sitting on my uh, oh, wow. bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how I kind of started with Ferrari because you know soon I moved away from the trucks and into cars, and I kept those two little Formula One cars that came with. And I remember zooming them around everywhere, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and just seeing you know as a kid, I don't know, but in the in the '85, so in the '90s in Australia. It was very rare, especially where I grew up, to see a Ferrari. Sure. So, yeah. yeah, it was pretty much it, it was, was much yeah. the same over here as well in London, to be honest with you. Um, you, know, yeah. you. You don't see them like you see now. Yeah, it's t- it was totally different. So it was kind of just like in magazines and things like that. And uh, I remember for my, I think it was eighth birthday, I you know got a little bit of pocket money and I wanted to buy myself a present. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always a difficult child to buy for because I always kind of knew what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best thing to give me was money, and then I'd go out and get it because it usually was quite expensive for me. And we we didn't come from a wealthy background or anything like that. So mm. if I just pulled together funds that I'd saved, I'd be able to get that one present that I wanted. Sure. And what I wanted that year was a uh, one twenty four scale uh, model of a three four eight TB. Okay. I believe it was, mm-hmm. and it was a Barago model, and um, it was because I was always hands-on. It wasn't one of those models that was pre-built. It was one you had to put together. Oh, um, right. okay. So I I built that, and I just remember that model very very well. And the three four eight that was my favorite car. That's the car that got me in love with Ferrari. So mm-hmm. I remember you know on my birthday getting that car, building it, and I remember saying to my mother at the time, um, I just hope. That they make these when I'm old enough to buy one. Right. That's okay. I, I remember, and and that's my my biggest concern was not am I going to be able to afford it. Mm. I was just hoping Ferrari, the brand, was still making cars in say 20 years, wherever, whenever it may be that I because I was eight years old at the time. Whenever mm. it would be, because it just seemed like a really far away mm. uh, into the future that I'm going to get a license and going to get the money to you know to get a car like that. But that yeah. was my concern, not that uh, not that I would be able to get one, but mm. whether or not they'd still made them. So, so at what point then were you sort of, did you seriously start looking for one then? Um, I know exactly when that was, but the, I know from the age of 17, mm-hmm. I had written down as a goal that I'll own a Ferrari by the time I'm 26 years old. Fantastic. Well, actually it was uh 20, 27 it was because I was 17 and at that stage, in Australia, anyway, you're, you're finishing your high school mm-hmm. uh, and you may be going off to university or, or going into the workforce. Um, and we had our formal. So, and you know how it is, you, you want to go in a really good car mm. and, uh, and all that sort of stuff and impress all the girls. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, my father owned a Toyota Tarago. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, I wasn't looking forward to getting to the formal in that. Um, and I actually had a younger brother 
uh, he was 10 years younger than I was. So I just figured if I'm going to the Formula 1 at Taraga, or that's my only option, how good would it be if I can get a Ferrari by the time he is at his formal age? Wow, okay. Fantastic. And that is exactly what I did. So I beat that goal by about a year and a half, and I purchased my first Ferrari, which was a 360 Spider manual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was Rosso Corsa uh, with Crema Interior, mm-hmm. and I took him to the formal in that car, exactly as I imagined it would be. Mm-hmm. And I remember dropping him off, and all the girls were there, and they were just, you know, <laughs> swooning over him in the car. And I just remember saying to the girls, "Make sure you look after him." And they all yelled out, "We will!" <laughs> <laughs> so wow. he had the time of his life that night. I tell you that. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you, you made you made his uh, his entire year, I would say. But uh, yeah. fantastic, fantastic. So that's but, yeah. Seventeen was the time. That was when I like I knew mm. I didn't care what it took. I I, I was just going to do it. But from what I recall, you you weren't actually although you bought a three sixty, you weren't actually looking for a three sixty at the time. Not at all. The three sixty was basically me having having given up for the time being on finding a three five five. Okay, and and this is because you live in Sydney, and um, I would That's imagine correct. that the three five fives or Ferraris in general, I mean, they're just not that many uh, available to purchase over there. Yeah, well, it's just it's funny because as you get more and more involved in the Ferrari world, I mean, it's not like they they are super rare. I think you know there's circa eleven thousand that they're made worldwide, mm-hmm. but with the F three five five, like all the variants, the thing is when you start whittling it down and you start going uh, okay, right hand drive numbers. Mm-hmm. then that the majority of them are left-hand drive. So you're starting to really look at a much smaller pool of cars that you could potentially buy. Yeah. And then it's preferable that the cars, that like all the Ferraris that I've owned have been Australian delivered. So, right. And that means, of course, they've come from Italy and they're shipped over here, but they haven't stayed in climates like the UK mm-hmm. where there's salt on the roads and mm-hmm. then they've been imported over here after 10 years of driving on those roads. They've got corrosion issues mm-hmm. um, and things like that. So I was looking for an Australian delivered car, which again brought the numbers that you're looking, um, you know, a lot. It just decreased the number of cars you could potentially buy. I mean, roughly um, speaking, I mean, how many F three five five Australian delivered right hand drive cars would there be available? I mean, not even available, well, just, just just having to been delivered. I I know for like in terms of numbers, it's very hard to get the delivery stats on that. But they're sure. they're in my my car is a, a nineteen ninety five F three five five GDS. Now, uh, so the model years in Australia ran from ninety five through to 99 mm-hmm. there was only 360 right hand drive manual gts's ever made right. so that's a, across across the world so wow. in terms of how many of those would have been delivered in australia you're probably talking maybe i don't know mm. 50 cars yeah yeah um and that's 50 cars uh, of all specifications so if you wanted uh a red one mm. then you know maybe there's 30 of those yeah and if you wanted it with 10 interior maybe there's 20 of those yeah and if it if you wanted it the really early model which mine is mine's a 2.7 non-airbag car which mm. has the three-spoke non-airbag wheel that's yeah. highly sought after and there was they only produced those in the first eight months of delivery so then it moved the um the laws changed and the cars had to be fitted with airbags right yes. so from like basically July 95, even though the cars were 2.7 still, they had airbags equipped. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for that particular car, you're looking at maybe 10 cars total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it's probably yeah. down to a handful. Um, so, and that's, so yeah, that's quite reflected a rare car into then. the cars 
that are available today. In terms of like the largest website that lists the cars for sale in Australia, mm-hmm. at the moment, like as we speak, there are two F355s for sale in the whole country. Wow, gosh. So if you're looking, that's the then, and it, it was not too dissimilar when I was looking, say, six, seven years ago for a Ferrari, like seriously, mm-hmm. there was only maybe eight F355s for sale. And if you're in Sydney, one's in WA, another one's in another state, like, in, you know, just all around the country, it's a pretty vast country in mm-hmm. terms of like the space between the major uh, cities and states. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you might have only one or two cars locally. Right. Wow. So and, that's and- why it ended up going for the 360. And just out of interest, I mean, would you um, sort of living in Australia, New Zealand is quite close. Is that a marketplace that, you know, Australians would look at to purchase vehicles from or not really? Um, I've heard of a few people that I've met through in the Ferrari club that have purchased cars that were originally New Zealand delivered. And the thing is, it's not, it's, um, there is maybe some kind of like, stigma attached to that is it's an import and maybe it's worth a little bit less but the thing is the the vin number the chassis number is the same um Mm. designation that an australian delivered car is so i know like with the uk cars it has a c in the serial number and australian cars are delivered with a d and that's the same for the new zealand cars so they they are kind of similar and they don't have much differences that i know of in terms of emissions there's it's not like it's there's many changes made so sure i I wouldn't look personally but i know uh, some people have Mm -hmm. okay but i don't think there's much uh many cars in new zealand that it wouldn't actually it wouldn't maybe be harder to find one there than it is yeah probably even harder to find the difference between new zealand is they can actually import cars a lot easier than we can okay so if they maybe buyers there would be importing cars easier Mm. okay so you bought a 360 but you wanted a 355 so yeah yeah so tell us a little bit about yeah. that yeah uh, t- there's nothing i wanted more in life than f355 i'll tell you that like mm. i wanted it so bad um but it just it was just seemed destined not to happen i mean there's so many stories i could tell you in terms of um i think maybe that's why i wanted it so much but um the reason the reason i wanted it f355 i told you i fell in love with the 348 first the model but mm. the first mm. car i ever saw on the road ferrari on the road and I'm very sure it was an F355. I was in the car with the with the family. I would have been very young, mm-hmm. as a so I would have been 10 years old when the F355 was released. So it was probably around that time, 10 or 11 years old. I saw an F355 on the road, mm-hmm. and I just could not believe how beautiful it was. And instantly, as much as I liked the 348, I just couldn't care less for it. You know, <laughs> and that's before knowing about you know all the things that they say about the 348, and which yeah. I don't believe is true, but. Yeah, it's not like I was biased towards it. As soon as I saw the F355, I didn't know it was faster. I didn't know that it had an extra gear. I didn't know that it sounded mm. the way it does. I just, the look of it, it mm. was just, you know, love at first sight. So the first Ferrari I ever, ever saw was an F355. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and... I, I can really relate to that because um, one of the one of the problems that I've had over the years, and I don't, I don't necessarily have this problem now, but there was a time when the new Ferraris were being released. You would see the... The pictures as they were released and you know immediately be like oh no i don't like that i prefer you know the model before but when yeah. the 355 came out instantly it just looked amazing i mean the pictures that came out i mean nowadays we don't get the sort of the high res pictures that we have now but you know back yeah. then you know even the, the the studio pictures and the factory pictures that were released they you know the, the car just looked amazing from every angle and That's even right. today when i see one you know there's something special about that shape i mean it's certainly my one of my all-time favorite Ferraris. I mean, certainly within the top five. 
Um, yeah. But, you know, it's an absolutely beautiful car. Yeah, and that's what it was for me. So it was love at first sight. And then, like, to further my love for that car, it was the, the first Ferrari I'd ever been driven in. So it was the first Ferrari I sat in. Right. Um, it was the first Ferrari I'd been driven in. And the way that came about is at school we have, uh, like, a work experience program where, you know, you're 15 years old and there's the chance that you, you might be leaving school. You might not be continuing your education into year 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. You might miss university. So they give you two chances at school to do a work placement. Um, and a lot of, um, the kids in my school were fortunate enough that they had family businesses and and things like that. So they were all taking the easy option Mm. and going to work for their dad, you know, or, and Mm. just doing stuff that the family said is the thing to do. And I, I I thought, you know what, if I'm going to spend a week or whatever it was, uh, working in a workplace, I'm going to do something that first I'm going to love and potentially might give me an insight into what I want to do in the future. Sure. So, so what I did is I wrote to Ferrari, uh, the dealer in Sydney, mm-hmm. and I wrote them a letter uh, introducing myself and explaining what the work experience program was and how much I'd love to come and spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a phone call um, from the manager of that dealership uh, thanking me for the letter and you know, uh, basically telling me that they wouldn't be able to do that because their insurance wouldn't cover me. Right. Um, and so instead of you know, taking that as a no, I went back to the school and found out that their insurance would actually cover me up to the value of $20 million public liability and professional indemnity. So it was around that. And then I came back to him with a bit of homework and yeah. paperwork that stated that their uh, insurance policy would cover me and they actually agreed to um, interview me. That is a fantastic so, story. That is great. Yeah. So I had no idea where King's Cross was <laughs> at the time, but I had to get myself there for an interview with the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just freaking out, what am I going to wear, you know, and thinking yeah. about all these things. And, and I went to a totally new area that I'd never been to before as a kid. I was about 15 years old, mm-hmm. going off the train and I made sure I was super early so I didn't, you know, get lost along the way. And I remember getting interviewed and he walked me down to the... Um, the uh, mechanic room and at, at this point I've maybe seen you know, a handful of Ferraris in my whole life mm. and here was a, a workshop full of them and I counted about 22 Ferraris just sitting in bays wow. or in storage and um, yeah basically he, he was you know sussing me out and asking me all these questions and then mm-hmm. underneath in the corner of my eye I could see like a silhouette two silhouettes under like a uh, like a satin cover and mm-hmm. I said is that an F50 and is that an F40 and then he just looked at me and he said, you'd fit right in here. <laughs> and, and that was it. So shortly after, I was doing my work placement there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just, it was one of the best things I've ever done. Like in terms of uh, the experience I got, the things I got out of it, I, I worked really hard. I was there on time. I left, uh, you know, last person to leave. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I was working with the cars. I was, I was basically in awe of everything that these guys were doing. Um, the would, smells, the sights, the sounds, everything. Yeah, I would imagine that all of your um, your fellow students were in awe of you as well. You know, with uh... oh, I, I was calling them up after a day and just explaining all that. They couldn't believe it. It's like almost like you had to call five people as you finish work and yeah. just let them know everything that happened that day, just so it didn't get. It was like I was pinching myself every day. Wow. Um, and it, it was just a crazy story. I mean, like that. It was a really, really interesting time for me in terms of. It helped steer me in the direction of, you know, you know, basically cemented my passion for it. I mean, I was that passionate. There was a um, 
they had a track day. It must have been Albert Park, something related with the F1. They maybe did a demonstration. Mm -hmm. And the F40 had gone out and it picked a nail up in the tire. And right. so they'd removed the tire and um, they were going to throw it in the bin. And I asked them, like, are you seriously going to throw it in the bin? It's from an F40. And they're like, yeah, it's got a nail in it. It's worth nothing. I said, do you mind if I take it home? They're like, no. <laughs> So I rolled this tire, which is I don't I think it's like a 335 cross section, like in, yeah. it's a massive tire, right? And I'm 15 yeah. years old. I'm rolling <laughs> it up the street. It was about 15 minutes to the train station. I carried it with me on the train station. I had black grease all over me, and uh, rolled it all the way home. And I left it on my desk for about five years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So just as a constant reminder, like that I had. It was only the tire. But it was like the start of an F40. <laughs> mm, wow, gosh, that is fantastic. <laughs> so, 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 you, so at that age, you owned a, p a piece of an F40 then? That's yeah, I owned impressive. a piece of an F40 and I was happy to tell everyone about it. <laughs> My fantastic. dad thought I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> no i i can totally relate to that i'm sure a lot of our listeners can as well because uh you know at that age when the passion starts at that age you know every little thing is such a big deal so uh definitely understand that so um so so for you the f255 was the model that you wanted um and from what i understand you were you had already been looking for an f355 you couldn't find one find one and so you ended up buying the 360 um but it was always that 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 thing was always nagging at the back of your mind to buy an F uh, an F three five five. Of course, and that's what I would kind of like my advice would be to people is you buy the car that you really want. I mean, if you really want um, a four five six, buy a four five six. If you really want a three four eight, don't listen to what everyone says. Like that's you you probably want it for a reason, mm, um, yeah. and that reason is unique to you. I mean, it's just. I guess I'm lucky in the way that most people love the 355. So you don't have mm -hmm. to kind of justify yourself to it. Yep. The only people that don't like it are people who have read up about maintenance nightmares or maybe they've bought one, mm -hmm. owned one themselves, and it was a lemon, and maybe they had a poor time with it. Maybe they just didn't have a good mechanic. But mm -hmm. mainly, like universally, the F355, in my experience, is very well loved. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, yeah. when I had the 360, it was – it was. Um, you know, some people call it, you know, the jelly bean shape or, and it was, mine was a spider. That's not a real Ferrari, you know, that's right. like a, you know, and so that, you know, I just, I just only, the only reason I bought the 360, there's a, there's a story behind that too, but basically I just, I tried very hard. I, I flew interstate to view different 355s. Like, mm. so I flew twice interstate to view F355s and the cars were just not what they made out to be in the ad or when you spoke to them a lot of deferred maintenance or wouldn't agree to a pre-purchase inspection things like this and things like this when you're 25 26 years old mm. and you've saved your whole life for this sort of thing you don't want to just buy a car and end up with a nightmare and especially from all the things i read about the f355 the last thing i wanted to do was end up with something that was going to cripple me in terms of you know financially emotionally with mm. always being in the workshops so i was very careful very weary of you know what i was buying yeah and um you know, and so the the 360 came about. Whereas I met the, an owner who he had many cars over his years, and he actually at that point in time, like he had owned cars. Like he, at the time, he had an LP 670 SV, mm -hmm. um, which in Murcielago, which was you know it was almost brand new. It was like a nine hundred and sixty thousand dollar car. Mm, and then wow. as his sort of runabout, he had bought a 360 Spider secondhand off the first owner. Um, purely because he used to own one when it was brand new, mm -hmm. um, and he just thought that would be a good runabout. So for this, type, for me, it's a dream car. For this guy, it was like a runabout. Nice. Um, and 
you know, he, he actually, uh, it was really, he, he, he kind of invited me for a coffee and we started chatting and, you know, when you meet someone like I, I had not, never met an owner before, like when you were that close proximity, we could ask him all these questions and mm-hmm. I was asking him all these questions and he was just amazed at how much I knew. And I think he kind of could feel the passion that I had. And then he kind of yeah. like really, you know, like kind of took me under his wing and kind of offered me the advice, you know, just saying, you know, just be careful that if three, five, five, he had two of them, a 2.7, a 5.2, he kind of let me know mm-hmm. the kind of areas, the weaknesses. And he was kind of steering me towards a 360, right. you know, and obviously in the back of his mind, he's probably lining me up to buy one as well because he had one for sale soon, soon after. Right. Um, but he, he was kind enough to actually let me drive his 360. And then up until that point, that was the first Ferrari I had ever driven. Right. Okay. So, you know, I was driving and I just kind of, it kind of felt right when he was going to sell it that the first Ferrari I've ever driven should be the one that I buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I tried very hard to secure an F355 and failed, the clock was ticking. I wanted to get a car. Um, I recent, my wife recently had a baby boy and so I was about 26 years old. So I kind of had a really, really early midlife crisis. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I remember, you know, being at the hospital, visiting uh, my wife and, uh, and our son, and I was just searching the internet for a Ferrari to buy because I'm like, <laughs> I'm definitely not going to let the same thing happen to me that happened to my dad. I'm not giving up cars yeah, because yeah. just because I'm a father now, yeah. <laughs> I am I am absolutely going to get one while I can. <laughs> um, and thankfully, my wife's fully supportive of my passions and all that sort of stuff. So she was all, all good with it. But yeah. it, it was just it was just everything happening and, and the 360 just felt like the safe thing to do because mm. there was just so many roadblocks to getting an F35, you know, it, there's so many stories leading up to that. I mean, he, even uh, at my on my wedding day, uh, I had three uh, Ferraris taking us like to and from the church and things like that. Okay. And the Ferrari, so I had an F430, which was brand new at the time, a 360 Spider and a F355 Spider. Right. Um, now, the car that I wanted to take me from the hotel to the church was the F three five five. I didn't even want the F four thirty, even though it was the latest and greatest, and you know that was the car to be seen in. I wanted the F three five five. So when they came in, you know, the the chauffeur asked me if I'd like the roof off. I said, of course, that's the only way to experience this thing. You know, I want to mm. hear the noise. Mm. He attempted to take the roof off. Of course, if you know about F three five fives, the roof can be a little bit of a problem. And to top it off, it was an F three five five Spider. It was also F one. So you've right. got two of the biggest potential issues with an F three five five, and this car had both of those um, problems. So the right. roof went, you know, opened halfway, uh, and then obviously because the sensors uh, detected that the roof was open halfway, the car wouldn't change into any gear, and mm. so we were stuck at the hotel in an F three five five that didn't work. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, so luckily yeah, you had so two many, others yeah. to choose from then. So yeah, and I reluctantly, the funniest thing is, I reluctantly jumped into the three sixty. Okay. Um, and I didn't even want. I was like, I don't want to get in this car. I don't even like this car. Um, and 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 it was. I think a lot of it was down to the specification as well. Like I'm very particular in the colors, but it was a Rosso Corsa Nero interior, and it had Bordeaux carpets. I just did not right. like that combination, like the red right. carpets, the black. I know. I know Bordeaux carpets are very big in the UK, but in Australia, they're they're not, mm. um, and definitely not to my taste. But I just remember jumping in the 360 and wishing. Wishing I was in the F three five five. Right. So okay. it's just so so many things like that happened to me in terms of not letting me get access to an F three five five. I didn't know anyone that owned one. Mm. No one I knew who actually had one actually drove it. They just parked them. 
Uh, and so the, the 360 came up for sale. I jumped on it. Mm-hmm. And it, looking back, it was probably the best thing for me because the 360 was flawless. Um, yeah. and, and I knew that I knew that from when I was working and doing the work experience on the Ferraris. I was working up close. The 360 had just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a lot in there, like getting pre-delivery or just their first services done. And I saw the difference in build quality yeah. from the F355 to the 360. Mm-hmm. And you, unless you love the 355, you'd have to be mad to, 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 to go into Like just in terms of engineering and everything, it's just a much better built car. But yeah. in saying that, like I still uh, prefer the F355 for a number of reasons. But mm-hmm. the 360 as your first Ferrari is a very very smart decision in terms if if you are not mechanically inclined if you if you're really worried about maintenance i mean of course you can still get a lemon but mm-hmm. the car that i bought were had uh so it was a, i was the third owner it had fourteen thousand kilometers on it when i bought it yeah um which in terms of miles is, is very low mileage um yeah and it was just absolutely bulletproof in terms of like all i had to do was i changed the brake pads that was my own preference i needed something a little bit more aggressive mm-hmm. um and i changed the oil and the rest of it the only expense really uh was insurance and at my age that was frightfully expensive so so how long did you own the 360 for then two and a half years and okay. i think yeah yeah two and a half years mm-hmm. um and I worked it out like it ended up costing me in terms of what I bought it for, what I sold it for. It costed me around twenty-two dollars a day, all mm-hmm. cost inclusive, including the petrol. So wow. I owned a Ferrari for two and a half years, and it cost me about twenty-two bucks a day. That's not bad at all. So that's not bad. Yeah, in my <laughs> mind, that is uh, that is a win. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So you you then decided to uh, to hunt down an F three five five. And, yeah, um, basically, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't like. There was a chance where I could have bought an F three five five, but I still had the three sixty, and I just didn't want to have that. I just, first of all, I wouldn't be able to justify two of them at that stage. Mm. Um, two cars in the garage. Um, so soon after, like, got the three sixty. I was enjoying that, and then soon after, so my son was born. Seventeen months later, we welcomed a little baby girl into the world. Oh, and fantastic. then, yeah, one one child changes your life, but two is a different story. So, mm-hmm. so it actually, like, I just felt at that I was only twenty seven, twenty six years old when I owned the Ferrari, and no one I knew, uh, you know, I didn't have, I didn't know anyone in the club at that stage. I didn't have any friends that owned Ferrari, so you're kind yeah. of going for drives by yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and then and then you've got a wife at home and you know you just got a newborn and it just kind of felt very selfish mm. and at the same time so that was one reason and at the same time is at the same time i just kept looking for three four fives reading about three four fives reading about all these guys that work on them tinker with and i was just like oh that's what i want to be doing mm. you know mm. that's the car that i love so i thought you know what i may as well just let this car go and it wasn't actually ever for sale i, I entered into a concourse i won the concourse it won like best in show for that class mm-hmm. and then i got a, a an offer uh, online uh you know basically asking would i want to sell the car and i just threw out a price that you know if they agreed to i would i would let it go mm-hmm. and they agreed to that no questions asked we did a pre-purchase inspection and uh the money was wide over the car left my house shortly after on a um like on a transporter, mm-hmm. and I, I actually never looked back. I was happy to see it go. I was like, you know, and I just I made a promise to myself that it wouldn't be the last Ferrari. Yeah. And you know, soon enough, when the right Ferrari uh, comes along, I'll get on it. And I think I lasted about maybe fourteen months with that one. Wow. Okay, that's uh, quite yeah. a long time considering, you know. But I guess it's down to the vehicles available as well, the selection of cars. 
Yeah, and and nothing was happening. That's the thing I realized. Like I thought, you know, I'm gonna wait for the right car to come up. The mm-hmm. right car doesn't come up for sale in Australia. You kind of have to hunt for it, and that's. Right. I think that's one of the allures with F three five five as well. Like even the people I know, I've now I know like quite a large number of owners because I like to mm-hmm. mix with the owners, like to share stories, like to you know just mm-hmm. see where they're and yeah. you know, line up drives with them and things like that. And if you ask any of them that own the F three five five, they don't want to sell it for any money. Yeah. So, and that's what it was, it was making me, it was like the girl you can't get. You you got to you chase her even harder. So, yeah, you, yeah. Know, she, you know, she's just saying, no, no, no. And you're just getting keener and keener, yeah. so, <laughs> you know, and you're trying everything. So, that's kind of what the story was with me. And I, I you know, I was asking, I had a, a lot of, because one of my other favorite Ferraris is a, is a 458. Like you said, kind of when the, that's one of the only Ferraris that when they released the press photos, mm. I was like, that. Yeah. is stunning yeah you know yeah. I, I remember seeing the 360 i remember the 430 when the 430 came out i was like oh i don't want to offend 430 owners it's a great car but mm-hmm. when it came out it just looked like a they tried to do like a junior enzo with the rear lights and mm-hmm. it just didn't it looked just a bit messy to me and with the 458 it was sensational and most 355 owners i know have a 458 as well yeah yeah and if you ask them which one they'd sell first it would be the 458 mm. yeah so yeah, it's the 355 that, is definitely a special car. I mean, it really is. Yeah, there's something about it. Mm. Um, yeah. So so this particular car came up and… Um, it didn't actually come up. It, oh, it was never okay. listed for sale. Yeah, so it's just being like, a, you know, in kind of a bit of advice would be the people that are looking for. Maybe mix with the club, go to the events if you can, mm-hmm. see what's out there. And I just knew of this car. Um, right. And I happened to track down the owner's son on a forum. Right. Uh, and I just sent him like on the odd chance that maybe he'd want to let it go. Mm-hmm. I sent him a direct message. Um, just, you know, introducing myself saying, I noticed your car at, um, it was a Ferrari. It was, uh, there was a huge event in Sydney. There's a, like a Ferrari track day. It was like, um, uh, you know, the, the Mondiale, the mm. finale, like yes. basically one of those in Australia. Right. It was really massive and said there was a huge turnout of Ferraris and I was Ferrari-less and I went with my friend tony in his um 360 challenge stradali mm-hmm. which i think was a blessing if i had my car i'd be upset that i missed that going in that car because that right. was a, that was one of the drives of our lives like we both look back on that with you know very fond memories but there yeah. was there was maybe like the, the biggest contingent we had a police escort along the sydney harbour bridge wow. and you know and it was maybe a hundred cars in a convoy mm-hmm. um and so there was a huge gathering um and basically i was just making note of all the f355s there um and i managed to track down that one owner on the forum Mm. uh his son Mm -hmm. sent him a message and he basically said you know what the car is for sale um i don't want to deal with any time wasters and you Mm -hmm. know the typical thing and if you if you're interested how about uh you give me a call we had that conversation and he kind of maybe sussed out that i'm serious Mm -hmm. and i said this is name your price he named the price and i did not uh, bargain at one dollar. It was just, yep. If yeah. that's if it is what you say it is, mm-hmm. and he was interstate. Um, so I did all the wrong things in terms of buying a Ferrari. I <laughs> got the bank check. I drove down there um, with a friend and had every intention of buying it. I was so set on buying it that if I found out the car used to be fluoro green, I still would have bought it. Yeah, 
<laughs> so that, that that's how committed you have to be because yeah. if you go, I just I think a lot of people they they all they just they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it, and then you go, you, you know, you finally save up the money or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you've got the you've got your wife's approval, whoever it is you need, and you go and see the car, and it's got like a little mark on the wheel, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh no, nah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? It it, the, it so reminds me of the first Ferrari that I purchased. Um, I flew, yeah. a, I found a, I found this car. It was in France. And um, a friend of mine is a Ferrari mechanic. So we flew over, um, spoke to the guy who was selling it. He gave me all the details. But I flew over essentially with the cash in hand. And he picked us up from the airport. Um, We then literally stepped out into the airport car park, had a look at it, seemed to be fine. My Ferrari mechanic friend checked it over, drove it. And then we, we did the transaction at the airport itself and then jumped in the car and started driving back. And it was about 20 minutes into the drive back, I turned to my friend who was driving, my, my mechanic friend, and I said, um, Abby, I said, do you mind if I drive? And he's like, he goes, what do you mean? You haven't driven it yet? I said, no, 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 I haven't. I said, all I did was I, I watched you drive the car. And I said, I've never go. driven a Ferrari before. And he's like, okay, let's stop, swap over. And that, that I, remember, I remember that experience. You drove all night to get back to London. Um, but yeah, really amazing experience. I think um, that's kind of what you have to do sometimes mm. to to pull the trigger yeah yeah uh you know so i i you know i did the same i had the cash in hand i uh, drove down there i had never met this person before mm-hmm. um and i had only seen the car once like at an event where you're not like opening the doors you're not looking at it so it was just i had two photos of it on my phone right um just going by what he said the car is and obviously he sent me some uh, high-res photos of the of the car uh, mm-hmm. prior to going down there um, and then we got there and he's like, do you want to test drive it? I'm like, no, I kind of just want to go. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know? uh, and then I remember him pulling it out and I remember, I just, I just distinctly remember seeing like a little nick in the leather, mm-hmm. the windshield was delaminating a bit. I'm like, Elliot, don't even look at it. Yeah. Don't even look at it. Yeah. Give him the money, get the hell out of here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then I was like, I can fix this all later. <laughs> like yeah, that's basically yeah. what I was saying to myself. Like the rims were gutted mm-hmm. and like overall, don't get me wrong, the condition of the car, I could see the bones were there. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just buy a lemon and think you're going to polish it into a diamond. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you can't do that. Yeah. But um, this, the bones were there, but if you, you just look, too closely at these cars, especially at the age they are, there's gonna have there's gonna be stuff that you have to do to them. Mm, yeah. um, and I was fully prepared for that at this stage. So if it was my first Ferrari, I probably might have been it might not have been the best thing for me. But because I'd already had experience, I'd already started networking with people. Mm. I kind of knew the right people to go to, the right people to ask, and I was building on that all the time. Um, that's what you kind of need to do. Otherwise, you're not gonna be in for a good time, especially in Australia because it's this this you know the fewer techs out here that are mm. are really good. Um, I know in the UK you're kind of spoiled for talent and, and places to go, but in Australia it's a bit different. Yeah, um, but, it, but I mean, one, one, one word of warning just for our listeners. I mean, I suppose wherever you are, whether you're here in the UK, the US, or you know anywhere around the world, um, you know, a lot of the you, you still have to sort of work with people in the industry with your eyes open. Of course, um, of course. You know, I, I've seen so many companies come and go. Um, you know, just simply because. You know, on the surface, they seemed to be really good and they knew what yeah. they were doing. But, you know, their reputations in the end catch up with them and, you know, they're no longer here. So um, so, so you weren't actually looking for a project car as such. And, and would you consider this car to be a project car when you purchased it or is did it develop no, into like, that? A- anyone else would be just happy with it. Mm-hmm. Like they would have just driven it. And I mean, it was a pretty like, for example, I, I bought the car. 
And within a week or so from purchasing it, there was the New South Wales concourse. And I'm a big fan of the concourse of events in mm-hmm. terms of I like the idea of preparing it to a absolute, you know, like just like try to get it shown. And I only had a week to do it. So basically mm-hmm. the first thing I did is as I kind of drove home and it was uh, – it was a 300-kilometer journey home. Right. Um, the car hadn't had its engine out service in seven years. Oh, wow. Gosh. Okay. So so that was because basically it had been in the part of a collection. It had one owner for the first 19 years of its life. So wow. it had regular servicing up until that point only at Ferrari. It never left that state, so it was always there. Mm-hmm. And probably as the guy got older, it got used less and less and less. And it got uh, purchased by this collector. Uh, who only had it from about a year before I purchased it. So before they could kind of do stuff to it and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what their intentions were. Um, but, you know, ideally the car needed some love and I kind of knew that going into it. But mm. not to the extent of which I did. Mo- what you've got to understand is most of the stuff that I've done is just because of my standards that most mm-hmm. mostly didn't uh, require doing. Um, but my goal was to own a like new F three five five, and unfortunately, I couldn't go back in nineteen ninety five with the cash in hand and buy one. Mm. So I had to buy it in you know twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, whatever it was, and, yeah. uh, at that stage, and and then turn it into a like new F three five five. So so how many it miles? Wasn't a how many miles car. did the car have when you picked it up then? Uh, miles, I wouldn't know miles, but kilometers, I had about forty. 8,000, 49,000 kilometers. Okay, all right. So it was um, so, you know, fairly, fairly respectable miles on the car then. Yeah, the thing is, it's one thing like word of warning to people is just legitimate miles are totally different. Mm-hmm. Like this car had a documented history and that the, the condition, like basically if I put my car up against, especially now, but if you put it even then against a car that might be indicating 10,000 kilometers, mm-hmm. you start questioning if that car really has 10,000 kilometers. Yeah. Because yeah. even though this car had 49,000 kilometers showing, the th- biggest thing that encouraged me, despite you know the scratched rims and the engine not being done in seven years, uh, was the interior was absolutely magnificent. And it wasn't, because mm. you can I can spot it now, but it's not because it was painted or dyed or touched up. It was just well looked after. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it was, the bolster wasn't torn, the 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 seat you know the seat the cushioning wasn't sagging or mm. it was just and that's one it's only original once and the biggest thing I can say is is that in, in terms of the interior it's very very difficult to retrim it mm. back to how or like to get it looking original you can retrim it sure and it looks brand new but it doesn't actually look original yeah 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 so that that's the thing I mean kilometers for me and to be honest when I first looked at that that car I was thinking that's a bit high because I'm coming from a 360 that had 14,000 kilometers on it. Right, uh, okay. You know, it's like a quarter. It's like a quarter. Yeah. Um. So, I was I was of that type to try and buy the lowest mileage possible. But mm-hmm. basically, I, I and now knowing what I know, it, it's very easy to disconnect the speedometer on the F355. There's just a plug away, and people can drive it to the heart's content when they want to sell it. They plug it back in, and and right. yeah, no one knows. But uh, you know, I just, I just, so I would never buy a Ferrari, especially a classic one based on the odometer. I would mm. buy it on the owner, um, the documentation that comes with it, how it drives, and what's the condition presented to you in front of, like, yeah. you know, because the odometer doesn't uh, ease your maintenance bills. The, do- the odometer doesn't, you know, it's just, you're just kidding yourself, especially mm. if there's no documentation to back it up. I mean, if it hasn't, if it's been owned by for 10 years and it's got the same, it's in the same sort of range. I mean, why? Who who would buy it and just let it sit? It's, mm. And if it has sat, it's probably going to need a lot of work anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, so I, 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 I totally yeah. agree with that. I mean, I, I've I've heard of stories of 
Testarossas back in the day, having little switches underneath the dashboards, which of course. You, know, you flick the switch and the uh, you know the dominance switches off and uh, yeah. you know yeah. and so. you'd be you'd be naive to think that it doesn't happen. I mean, even on the modern stuff, they mm. just it's just with the computers these days they can do it. So I mm. was very wary of that. Um, like when I was uh, early looking into it, I was very against like high mileage ones, but they're generally the better ones. Yeah, um, and, so. and mechanically as well. Um, you know, I remember speaking to a. Ferrari mechanic. In fact, I think it was in episode two, we had a, a Ferrari mechanic who was talking about the F355. And he yeah. was saying that, you know, the low mileage cars, you know, they just don't drive as nicely as the ones with the higher miles. Um, you know, yeah. they have to have the miles on them to, you know, to really start settling in. And then you really start having fun with the engines. Um, yeah. So to- totally agree with that. Firstly, I just wanted to thank Elliot for his time. Uh, he's on the opposite side of the world to what I am. So I was recording that in the morning. It was his nighttime, um, but we were able to set that up. And uh, it was really, really great hearing his story. We actually have Elliot back on again next week because what we're going to be doing is talking about how to take an F355 and basically turn it into a show-winning car. Uh, so he talks about uh, the things that he did to his car. And effectively, um, what I'll be doing is almost doing like a buyer's guide type um, uh, episode where we will be talking about um, how to improve the vehicle. So do listen out for that. If you have an interesting story to share with the Ferrari community, just drop me an email at info at ferrarihub.com. I'd love to interview you for the podcast. And we're always looking for great either model-related um, stories or even, you know, your own personal story of uh, how you got into Ferraris. So definitely um, give me, uh, drop me an email and I'll be in touch to arrange a future podcast. Once again, today's sponsor is something that I get asked about a lot and that is who I use for my hosting. I recommend Bluehost and the reason why I recommend them is because I use them myself. They're incredibly easy to set up. Uh, They have a one-click automatic WordPress installation and it really is as simple as just one click. You can host multiple domains on them and there's no need to pay for any extras when you decide to increase the number of websites that you're hosting with them. They have outstanding customer service and they're one of the companies that actually say yeah you can give us a call which is kind of handy sometimes. Their performance is great. The speed and the uptime is seamless. It's it's always up, it's always running. The control panel itself is very easy to use and they have various hosting plans and pricing, depending on what your requirements are. If you want to know more, just simply go to ferrarihub.com forward slash Bluehost. If you choose to use our link, we will receive a commission, but it's at no cost to yourself and it all helps to keep the podcast and sites running. That's all for now. Ciao.